Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. I got a special guest here. Her name is Christina Kim. She is a sales engineer at Checkpoint, and today she's going to share her story. So Christina, Kim, would you mind introducing yourself there to my audience, please? Sure. Thanks for having me. So like I said, my name is Christina Kim. I'm currently a security engineer at Checkpoint. I've been there about seven months, and I've spent about 10 years in IT total. Sweet. All right. So how did you get started? How did you know IT was for you? And, you know, how did you know to keep going through it? Like, did you notice from when you was a, a little kid? Like, when did that occur? Yeah, absolutely not from when I was a little kid. I never in a million years when I was younger thought I was going to end up in IT. Um, I actually ended up in IT because I got a work-study job when I started at the University of Buffalo. And the work-study job was at the CIT Help Desk, uh, which is basically like a post-sales level one and two help desk support for students, faculty, staff at the University of Buffalo. Um, so I got this work-study opportunity. I applied at the help desk because it paid slightly more than minimum wage. And I ended up really loving it. I wasn't expecting to find a career out of that job. I thought it was just sort of a checkbox for qualifying for the work-study program. Um, but it ended up being a lot more than that. And honestly, I left college very sure that I was going to go into IT. I think I learned just as much from that job as I did from my actual professors and from studying at UB. So that's sort of how I started. I didn't grow up, you know, pulling apart computers or coding or anything like that. But I instantly recognized that I really liked helping people. And I really liked the way that we could have like a light bulb moment when I fixed your problem or I, you know, helped you overcome an obstacle that you were having with you know, whatever piece of software you were using or whatever computer you were using. So I just kind of immediately knew that it felt comfortable and that I felt like I could kind of bridge the gap between tech-savvy people and non-tech-savvy people. Yeah, and one thing I'll, I'll add on to that, I worked at that CIT help desk, and I was newer, and Christina was a level two tech, and I came on level one. She's being modest. She was a rock star in there, you know, so <laughs> newer stuff. She was great at educated and she could tell your strengths and um, just by working with you and helping you build a plan out. So she was definitely really good. And I, I'm glad she stuck with it because she definitely helped me out a lot. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why she's on here, right? I've been following her throughout her career as being a kind of, I'm a fan, you know? So um, would you mind sharing like your educational background? Do you think that helps you to, today? Do you think people still need that degree or does it depend you know, on your perspective? Sure. I think it's such a complicated question because I think college is about so much more than the education. And I think particularly for me, having found this career direction from this work study job, I don't think that's the way that everyone finds their career. Yeah. But I graduated with uh, dual degrees in economics and English, actually, which is also, I think, a little bit weird for our industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in college from you know, 2009 on, and it, it wasn't a time when there were a ton of super relevant IT degrees. I think now we're seeing a lot more like cybersecurity focused master's degrees and things like that, but that's sort of been a gradual change in the last decade. Um, but I think college was incredibly formative for me in a lot of different ways beyond just the education itself. I think both economics and English, they teach you how to create 
an academic structure around concepts you already understand, right? You understand money, you understand communication in English, but it just helps you build a framework that allows you to educate others more efficiently and also allows you to categorize information a lot more efficiently. So I have found that understanding the financial side of IT, as well as being a strong written and verbal communicator, they're both really invaluable skills for IT. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people find their way into this career from a lot of different angles, and I think it's because you can rely on a lot of different skill sets to make yourself successful in this industry. Sweet. And I think you, talk, you touched on a, a couple of key things i like to point out. is transferable skills, right? Those English skills, that the way you look at a business from your economic background. I could tell that that's helping you continue to thrive, and maybe that's even one of your differentiators. Because right. as you know, a lot of tech people usually struggle at writing. I'm one of them. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I used to be, and I, I spent a lot of time on grammar, right? And, um, and I could see the difference. Even when I went into my technical marketing role, that was an area where I needed to be even better in, right? Mm-hmm. But with your background, you can, like, apply that knowledge, right? That deep understanding of grammar and the way you phrase things to write. So I think writing is a part of everything, right? So you can right. see how that helps in economics is too. So don't be afraid if you have a diverse background, right? That isn't in technology, right? That you still can be really great here because you can apply a lot of those skills there. Um, so, you know, I got a marketing background, marketing, and I do have IT background. You don't see both of those together usually, right? Because right. Two different subjects, but both of them helps, right? So it's two different skills that I was able to develop. So, um, so that's, that's, that's definitely good that you, you share that. I guess the question for you, you've been doing it for 10 years. If you can talk to Christina back in college when you was in that internship with the knowledge that you gained. What would you share? Because the reason why I asked that question, we have a lot of young ladies in high school and um, and some guys too, right? In high school or junior high school and a lot of college students here are early in their careers. And um, I think they still struggle. Like, what would you share with yourself that you wish you knew that you think could help someone else? Sure. I mean, I think the number one thing would be, especially for women, is have confidence. Have confidence in your skills. I have confidence in the fact that you belong in the room, even in nobody else in the room looks like you or comes from your background. That doesn't mean that you don't belong in the room. I think I look back on my 10 years and I'm really grateful for, you know, everything that's happened. But I think I also really wish I spent less time wondering if I actually belonged in the role or if I actually deserved roles or if I was, you know, ready or qualified. I think you know, you can really become your own enemy when you let yourself fall into that too much. Um, I would also say that particularly, you know, as a woman, you already are nurturing skills that you can use to thrive in IT your whole life because you live in a world that is dominated by men and you know how to navigate it and create places for yourself. And that's just what you're doing in your career as well. You've already practiced that skill. You've already worked that muscle. So you should have confidence that you belong there because the this like unique pattern of life experiences has led you here um, because you deserve it. Like nobody deserves or doesn't deserve anything. And that applies to you as well as everyone else in the room. I think that would be my number one piece of advice is just to have confidence in your skills. If the door opens for you, stop questioning why that door opened and just, just go, just, just go. It's, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to just like jump out of your comfort zone and try something new. 
Yep. And I think that's that goes for everyone, right? Confidence right. is a key, right? Because um, I deal from that time to time, you know? Right. A lot of people won't look like me when I go in a room, right? But I, t I, I used to have that imposter syndrome, right? Like, do I belong here? Is my skills here? Instead of like, you know what? I'm here. How yeah. do I thrive? How do I get the most of it so I can be the best version of myself? And I think that's just transformative, right? Once you have right. that mindset. And then and don't mistake that for arrogance. It's just having the the strength or just the confidence in your own abilities can take you a long way. And then just remember to keep reinvesting in yourself. Um, so I think that's a really good thing. So this kind of right. goes right into my next question is, have you faced any obstacles in your career to get you here? And if you did, how did you overcome them or how did you embrace them to um, fuel you to continue your success in your career so far? Sure. I think like anyone else, um, I've, you know, had obstacles in my career where, you know, things didn't work out the way I wanted them to, or, you know, maybe I felt like I deserved something that I didn't get or vice versa. Um, I think, you know, the number one thing you can do with obstacles is, you know, remember all the previous obstacles that you went through, create benchmarks in your mind. You know, everyone has these cornerstone moments of their career where they overcome something or they achieve something that you know that you can be proud of and like kind of look back on the rest of your career. For some people, that's a certain certification or a certain job role. For other people, it's a dollar value on their offer letter, uh, you know, saying you'll make this much, whatever it is, like really take the time to celebrate your accomplishments, thank them, you know, put them in your mind and understand the next time that you come across a challenge, because that's all your career is, is a series of challenges that you learn to navigate and overcome. Yeah. The next time you have one, you can remember the way that you push through the last one, you know, create benchmarks and create moments to be proud of yourself, because there will be moments where you're like, man, I didn't, I didn't nail it. I didn't get it. I didn't, I messed it up, whatever it might be. Like, you're going to get knocked back down. This industry changes so quickly. You will find yourself in a meeting where you don't know what you need to know, whatever it might be. Like, yeah. it's going to be okay. You were there five years ago. You learned it. You figured it out. You moved forward. You'll do the same. And you'll do the same in five years when there's something new that you have no concept of yet. You know, you just have to keep pushing and just try to learn every day. You know, that's all you can do. Some days, like, you know, you may not close the deal. You may not, you know, make the great meeting, build the great relationship, but you can learn something. And if you can learn something, you should still be happy with that day, even if the day didn't work out the way you planned or the project didn't work out the way you planned, whatever it might be. Just, you know, take stock and move, like, you just got to pick yourself up and move forward. You're doing a, you dropped a lot of gems right there. I think, uh, whew, that, that was good. That you, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that, but that was really good. <laughs> one thing I do like about that is um, what I do is, each quarter I have for my personal self, I look back on what I've done well. Cause I'm like, man, all these companies have these quarterly reviews. Right. And why don't I have that personally? Right. So, and I, and I have certain things like it might be in a different achievements. It might be, I want to make X amount about this by the time I'm right. Through. It might be um, for books. I literally have a Excel that has all my books that I read for the year and what I learned from those books. And when I look back, I'm like, all right, I need to go back over this negotiating book. Um, like, one right now I'm going through is crucial conversations to help me have those difficult conversations because these things keep happening in my life, whether that's work or at home and personal life, I need to get better. So I, I definitely have that. Also, I have a daily journal um, for me. You don't have to do these things, but it helps me just uh, 
You know, some days you, for me, I don't go 110. I want to be like Elon Musk when I grow up, right? I still haven't grown up yet. It's every day <laughs> I feel like from the outside, that guy is going 110, right? right. Um, and he's pushing the limit. And some days I take days off, right? And I'm like, why? What was it? Was it my nutrition? Was it my sleeping patterns? Was it, um, you know, I, I didn't pass a certification of the week, so I was down for a bit, you know? So I'm retaking that. Like, what could I have done differently? And that's been helping me achieve more personally because i'm in competition with myself right that's something that um that you hit on that i think a lot of people maybe not know right you know how do you log your success how do you you know keep improving those benchmarks to get better and how do you resolve problems like your problem solving skills and how do you look at that situation do you look at it as a learning experience or do you look at it as a roadblock i think that's right that's definitely imperative for success to go forward. So one thing that I I always loved about you is how you prepare for interviews and that next job. I think it's legendary to some of the stuff that you've done. What would you, you know, I want to spend this question is how can we help other people be good? Because I know for you, I I know it's practice. I I think I want to say that you're just that good. And I know it is, but I know you put a lot of time in getting better at that. So someone that's early in their career, and maybe you don't have the experience, how do they get what they're worth? And then next question is, as you go, you get a little bit further in your career, how do you have those conversations and get in what you're worth, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think that has been even more than the technology. One of the most challenging parts of an IT career is to value yourself, understand how to properly present yourself, and then get what you want. You know, we are so used to, hey, you have to learn this, this, and this. You have to pass this exam. You have to close these deals. And then that means that you have hit the box, like you've checked the mark. Um, and I don't think it's the same in interviews. I think, you know, it's a constant, like you said, it's practice. It's also a lot about preparation. And I think the number one piece of advice I would give to people both newer and more experienced in interviewing is an interview is not a standalone event. It's the start of a relationship if you do it right. Like truly it doesn't even matter that much if you nail that initial interview. If you can prove over time that you're able to follow through, maintain professional relationships, you know, continue to brand yourself and continue to grow, like that matters more than one interview going well or going poorly. Every job I've gotten since I started in IT was a referral. It was from somebody that I worked with who I was able to build a strong relationship with, you know, show up for them, they show up for me, for our customers, and people remember that and you can move forward with so much goodwill if you just keep showing up and you keep building those relationships and you keep valuing those people, not for the one or two meetings that you're in, but just for the overall relationship, because you just don't know who's going to shape your career, who's going to get you that next job. Uh, the current position I'm in at Checkpoint, I got it because uh, a woman that I had worked with at Ingram, we were on competing vendors. And we both made life hard for each other because we were competing. We were trying to get the same customers. We were trying to get the same deals. And we were both effective at it. Sometimes we lost deals to one another. A lot of the time we lost deals to one another. She remembered that. I remembered that. It built our working relationship when we did finally get to work together at Checkpoint. You know, you just don't know. But, you know, don't. If you put your pressure on this 30-minute interview, on this 60-minute interview, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's a starting point. It's not the ending. It's not the finish line. If you can keep building those relationships and you can stay in touch with your recruiters, hiring managers, whether it worked out or not, you're setting yourself up to you know, walk through the door when the right opportunity opens itself up. 
That's great. Yeah, and you, you said something really cool. That relationship is key because even for most of my jobs, I knew the person there. Not because right. I had a family friend. It's because I worked with them and developed that rapport. Um, and, but I went to bat for them, right? You know, when they showed up, they know they can count on me to be on right. time, to get my work done, and it's going to be quality. And they also going to enjoy working with me. So I can't establish, I can't say that, state that enough, that continue to build those relationships. You might be in a position where I started from my career. I couldn't leverage any one of the relationships in my, from my family history. This didn't Same. have them, right? So yep. you had the similar thing. So what I did is I used LinkedIn. I used my college. I used my yep. teachers. Um, yep. I found their relationships. So maybe you don't have the relationships, but maybe someone in your network does, and you can leverage those to, in, you know, to initiate those conversations. And especially if you already have a job and you're considering moving on, start building those relationships then. Like reach out to someone who has a job that you want in a few years and just pick their brain, comment on their posts, be an actual fan for them. And then they, right. when that time comes, they'd be more eager to mentor you. Or even if you want a job, if you, you like being a security engineer, right? You can reach out to us and start talking to us. Don't ask us for a job up front, right? Get to no. know us first, right? <laughs> because, you know, I tried that before, you know, and this doesn't go anywhere because now it's not, it's not a win-win relationship, right? It's not right. at all, right? Because I'm just asking for something. So I can't um, say that enough is the better you build your relationships, um, the better it's going to go on a carry going forward because this interview doesn't happen if I don't have a relationship with Christina, right? I was able to, you know, grow that since I was like 19. She <laughs> saw this guy there until now, right? But I continue, you know, to uh, show up and, uh, and she can anticipate it's going to be quality. So you don't, I just don't, don't, don't care how, um, even if you don't get a job, right? I also have recruiters that I'm still friends with even though I didn't get the job because the yep. way I responded afterwards, right? And even if they don't send me, like, Sly, you didn't get it, you can figure it out after a while you didn't get the role. I reach out and say, you know what? Thank you for the opportunity. I can tell that you went with a different candidate. Is it possible for you to share um, any insights for me to improve my game? Sometimes they don't yep. respond, but I say, you know what? <clears throat> I still reach out to them. I still follow them on LinkedIn, post on their pictures, you know, not because I want anything, just to continue to build that relationship. And so even in sometimes in perceived shortcomings or failures, there can be some um, victorious meetings long-term. So right. to just, uh, just hone those networking skills. And again, I can post some more networking books that I read up on. Um, but the best thing I can tell you to do is just get in the game, right? Um, you do it every day. You, may, you might not even know it. Um, and sometimes this doesn't come natural, right? But to be honest, my friends who are introverted usually know how to do more research better than I am because they don't like those conversations, right? So use those skill sets to yourself as well, even if you isn't. I mean, I'm a social butterfly. I can't help it. That's the way I am. Some people aren't like that, you know? So just, just use your skills. Um, the next question I'd have is, is what's just some of your favorite books that you want to share with everyone? Uh, what's some pay favorite podcasts if you have any? Um, now, can you just share, share a few of those with us? Sure. So I personally really gravitate towards books that merge uh, theory and application, right? So I really like books that are written for people who are going to go out and communicate with others about technology. One of my favorites is actually, I have it here, it's Swipe to Unlock, and I know Sly will have the link for it. So Swipe to Unlock is written by three folks who were in a combination of very established companies like Google and also created startups for themselves as well. 
And so this, what I really love about this book is it will talk to you about a technology concept, but then it will answer questions that a non-technology person might have around technology. So the page that I opened up to says, how, how does Facebook make billions without charging users a penny? And it talks about the freemium model. And you need to understand the freemium model to understand software, to understand IT applications. But a lot of books will either focus on the theory or they'll focus on the application. I really love this one. Um, Podcast-wise, I will admit I'm not a huge podcast listener. The one I listen to most is this one. Yeah. Um, but also my company, Checkpoint, runs a really great podcast. Uh, that I really enjoy as well. And Ingram Micro actually runs a really great podcast as well. I would highly recommend if you have a certain company in mind that you want to work with, look through their marketing website. They probably run a podcast. Start learning the way that that company is branding their products and going to market so that when you interview, you can match their messaging. That's really impressive. It proves that you've done the work. It proves that you put in the time to consume their marketing materials and try to understand them and put them in your own frame. And so I highly recommend, you know, a lot of corporate podcasts and also, you know, look for books that you read the first chapter and you learn something. Yep. If you feel like it's not going to go anywhere, it's okay. Go to the next book. Try something new. Yep. And that's great. Yeah, it's definitely the last point you point out. If you're in a book and you're not found the value for it or you can't apply it right now, then it's okay to put it down. I put down books yeah. a lot. Or sometimes what I found is Bill Gates said he doesn't pick up a book he doesn't intend to finish. So what I tell right. him, he researches it a lot before he picks up that book. So either way works, right? This depends on your personality. Definitely works. Um, and um, one thing I will add on that is, yeah, like for me, I love Microsoft. So when I came to Ingram Micro to take the Microsoft role, I watched all the um, I think Microsoft Ignite videos, Microsoft yep. Mechanic videos. So I get a look and feel of, all right, how are they, what are they positioning, what's important to them, and I could bring those highlights into the interview, right? I already knew the certifications that was going to change, so I could tell them what certifications I wanted to do. So those things help. Or for me, I love a lot of um, just, you know, artificial intelligence. So yeah. I just look up different companies that are doing that, right? So what are they messaging? What's the differences? You know, how can I learn about deep learning or these other techniques? So uh, I think you hit on a, a really cool thing is if you're on LinkedIn, follow them. What are they yeah. sharing? What events do they have? Can you go to them? Right? A lot of those events are free. And the great thing about COVID is that um, now a lot of these tech seminars are free yeah. and they online. So it's like, like Ingram, if you want to learn about security or cloud, we had a, a cloud summit and a security yep. summit, and it's free. So just go sign up for it. Just go on this link, um, the Ingram page, and you have it. I, I don't know if Checkpoint does as well. Yes, we do. And it's, that's such a good point. Like these virtual summits, a lot of the times these summits cost $1,500, $2,000 for a pass. You now have an opportunity to get that content for free. You should absolutely take advantage of it. I've gotten to go to a lot of our customers and our clients and our partners summits as well as Ingram micros and checkpoints. It's been super helpful. It's, we have to find a silver lining in this really weird time. And I think being able to participate in more events because they're virtual is one of those silver linings. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll try to uh, put together a few events that I found that was pretty cool and I leave them down there. Um, so then you can go check those out because that's how I try to stay relevant right because it's so easy in this industry to lose your relevancy if you're not continuing to learn and update your skills so i never even heard of that swipe to unlock book but you already know it's in my amazon card so <laughs> i'm about to go add that to my reading list so before we are done how can the audience contact you christina 
Sure. So uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn. I am a huge fan of LinkedIn. Uh, I really like business networking. And I think, again, with the weird times we're in, LinkedIn is the absolute best way to do it. You can also email me at christinasunkim at gmail.com. Happy to answer any questions you have. Happy to help you through internet or internet interview jitters or anything else that you might want to sort of talk through. I'm around. So, yeah, go ahead and contact me. Sweet. And her information will be below on this YouTube channel, so don't worry about it. You don't got to go far for it. You don't got to rewind. You can. You can just click on the bottom and copy it, right? So it's going to be there. So anything else before we we leave? Do you want to leave one thing with our audience to keep with them? I do. Um, I think I love that this is a women of color technology series and just sort of a women in tech series that's focused. Um, I think that it's a huge taboo in our work culture today to keep your salary to yourself and to not talk openly with your peers about how much you're making, how much they're making. Is it fair? Does it make sense for you? I encourage you to find people that you trust in your workplace and communicate about your salary. Well, first of all, if you are getting any type of advice or any type of reprimand for talking to, about your salary amongst your peers from a manager or an executive at your company, you should know that that's not legal. You are absolutely within your legal rights to share what you make with your peers. Yep. And so if you are in a situation where you feel like you're being retaliated against, you need to explore that further because that is not legal and that's not acceptable. Yep. You know, companies benefit from you not being transparent about what you make and how that stacks up against your peers based on their experience, based on their time and role, everything else. You have so much to gain from being open. You can help other people and you can help yourself. So be open, communicate, and don't be afraid to knock on your manager's door and ask for a raise if that's what you feel you deserve. I think so often, you know, an accompaniment to imposter syndrome is feeling like you don't have a right to ask for more than what you already have, right? Like, I already got this job. I already have this opportunity. It's only been a year. Do I have the right to go ask for more? If you're making your company money, you probably do. So, do your research, talk to your peers, and then go to your manager and explain why you think you deserve what you want. Um, I think way too often people who are minorities or are women or anything else, they hesitate from that. And I think the only person that hurts is yourself. Yep. So be open, be honest with your peers, help your peers, let your peers help you and go get what you deserve. Because so often we don't do that and we waste time. Yeah, and, and you, you said it great. And um, I just know from personal experience, sometimes you undervalue your skill set. And then when you do talk to your peers, you realize, man, I'm making $30,000 less than everyone. I'm that, I think I'm, I know I'm doing a lot better than that, right? So, like, you know, that made it easier for me to have a conversation and bring it up. And then at a certain point, is either your company going to say, yeah, we're going to revalue you enough to match that. That has happened for me. And somebody yep. said, we, we don't have it in the budget. Yep. It's up to you then to say, do I stay because I believe in this company or do I need to leave and find something different? So right. be confident in whatever answer you decide because someone like me who really values relationships, in the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family, right? So if it's better for you to take your talents at somewhere else to get what you deem you deserve, there's nothing wrong in that. It's just the way how right. you do it, right? So uh, just make sure when you, if that does happen for you, don't burn the bridge if you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, just let them know that. Super hey, important. You know, don't, you don't, don't shame them in an interview and that's why you leave and don't go to the next interview saying, I want more money. So that's why I'm here. Um, right. Just make sure that in the back of your mind that, that, that you know that you're leaving because this opportunity wasn't for you and you're trying to get what you're worth. 
and make sure you uh, incorporate more than your salary, what you're getting in there. Because I have taken jobs right. for the peace of mind, um, the more family time, for right. more um, vacation time. Or, you know, you know, so don't be afraid. And if they can't get you to the salary that you want, there's other things you can negotiate. Um, Sign-on bonus is one of them. So sometimes yep. the company is restricted to the, bon the, the base that they can give you, right? Either they can influence if you're in a sales role or commission pay, they can add more to that, or they can get a sign-on bonus. That's a one-time payment that can get you to who you want for that one year um, that can, might, might be enough for you because I'd rather right. have cash up now if you give me $15,000 right now, I'm taking that now and investing that, right? So don't be afraid to, if, if you don't agree on the base pay, there's other things to negotiate. And you just got to depend on what you want, right? Right. Value. And each person is different. I got friends that wants the dollars. So they're going to go for the dollars. Me now being a new um, father is I value that time, right? And I right. time with my family. So for me, I won't take a job that I'm working 20, 20 hours a day, only four hours <laughs> of sleep, right? Um, I, you know, so I, I wouldn't take a job like that. You know, for me, I value my time over that. But someone else, that might be like, I don't care. I'm single. Right. I'm ready to mingle. Or I just love working that I don't mind to make those sacrifices. So figure out what you want. And Christine, right. that was a valid point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think we needed to listen to that. And on that note, Sly Gittins and Christina is out. Peace. <laughs>